0: Everybody, and thanks again for joining me for another episode of the NHS 100k podcast with me, Matt Taylor. I'll cut straight to the chase. We've got a lovely guest in today, and I'm looking forward to speaking to him. We've got Andrew Bridgen, who is um, an MP from, uh, well, MP of Northwest Leicestershire. How are you doing? You all right?
1: I'm good. It's the last day of term. I'm in my office in Westminster, um, and we'll be uh, recessing for the Christmas recess later this evening.
0: And how long do you guys normally get off for Christmas?
1: Well, we're, um, we're not back until the 8th of January. Tough life, right? Tough life. <laughs> well, actually, it's, it's, it's actually, yeah. I mean, the, the casework goes right down normally over Christmas. But I mean, given the speech I gave um, a week ago, um, the email traffic's been pretty heavy, to be honest, Matt. So yeah, we'll I've be probably having three, four hundred a day extra emails on top of the
0: Two or three hundred we normally have anyway. And how many of those new emails are good emails and how many are bad? <laughs> oh, I would say one in five hundred are not good. <laughs> that's not too bad. That's good. That's, good. that's better than I thought. I've never,
1: had, I've never had any response to any issue I've raised that's got this level of public interest and support. And I'm also told that the, the few uh, media outlets that will have me on and talk about vaccine harms. Um, that they, i stuff, been on GB News twice in a few days. And I did a Sunday morning with, um, Mr. Tice, um, on talk TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very nervous about the topic. Yeah, um, we had a chat for 40 minutes on the Saturday for a 10 minute interview on the Sunday, but I mean, he, they've all told me that to the, the viewer interaction and feedback from those interviews was the the, the most I've ever seen on anything. So there's a huge there's a huge public interest in all of this, which obviously the mainstream media are completely ignoring. They're, it doesn't exist.
0: No. So for those of us, can you just briefly tell everybody what happened last week? For those of us that, that weren't aware of what was going on, haven't um, haven't seen your speech, please. Well,
1: I gave a speech um, in the Westminster Hall debate, a, like six weeks ago or whenever it was, uh, a, which is in response to the public petition about compensation for vaccine harms. Um, that was interesting, and since then I've, I've obviously I'd I've met already then with uh, Asim Malhotra, the world-renowned cardiologist. I'd seen his paper that he'd presented to to the MPs at the APPG meeting for vaccine harms, which a number of the public attended. Um, that's gotten a lot of publicity around the world. No no uh, scientific rebuttal of any of his claims or, or even from a uh, big pharma trying to rebut any of his claims about the potential harms and his call for um, the cessation of uh, any more mRNA vaccinations in the UK, and I thought that. The more I looked at it and the more I've looked at the science um, clearly, you clearly, know, there are huge risks. I think there are very few rewards for anybody from taking the vaccine. Uh, someone's making an awful lot of money out of this. Um, and so I put in for an adjournment debate. I've been putting in for several weeks and I, I was told I wasn't going to get an adjournment debate before Christmas. They'd all gone. And then I think someone must have pulled out and um, thankfully the speaker gave me a short notice last Tuesday. And so I prepared a, uh, about a 17-minute speech, and it, it ended up being about 20 minutes uh, talking about, through the evidence and how we also have got to, to the position where you could have a medication as unsafe as the vaccines being put out thanks to the power of Big Pharma, their, their lobbying power that they, they lobby politicians around the world, as you can see, um, their advertising power that they can control the media and the media narrative and also the scientific community where their their grants for research and their sponsorship of uh, think tanks uh, they control what the scientists think as well. So all, all of those things put together we've got the perfect storm that you could end up with a vaccine that's unsafe uh, and now with given that we're onto the Omicron variant from last Christmas um, unnecessary uh, still being rolled out to the public and the suppression of the harms that the vaccines um clearly doing to our, our our people i think i did say in my speech that i think we've we've sacrificed enough of our citizens now on the on the altar of ignorance and unfettered corporate um greed mm. so um it was time to stand up and be counted um it wasn't a great attendance in the in the chamber but i mean then westman the adjournment debates often often not well attended but I think it's a pretty big issue but it was completely blanked by the mainstream media Mm. as if it didn't happen. I did actually send out, I I knew that they'd like to have uh, discredited me for the speech so I I stuck to the things I could prove. I put out 32, I think there were 32 references of papers and um, articles that supported the statements i would made in my speech and I think given that the only other alternative for the mainstream media was just pretend it never happened. And yeah. pretty much there was radio silence, but it went out on, on social media and as of a couple of days ago, uh, I had it analysed and it, my, my speech was 20 minutes long with the interventions that I took. And uh, 5.2 million people had viewed it for at least 18 of the 20 minutes, which I think on social media is pretty amazing because most people lose interest after, after 30 seconds. Uh, and I would think there's, there's, there's not been a an adjournment debate in Parliament that has been actually viewed by that many people, if ever. So obviously, clearly there's huge public interest. As I say, the 99.9% of the email traffic I've had following that has been very supportive, very supportive. And also a lot of people have written to me telling me about their vaccine harms, uh, the relatives and friends that they've lost or have had serious illnesses, and interestingly, a, a large number of emails from doctors, nurses, and scientists, which were supportive, and that's deeply worrying. Clearly, um, the fact that the government and the mainstream media won't look at this, um,
0: well, why is that? why I mean, there's a thousand questions I want to ask uh, uh, ask you. Well, if I, I knew, if, if
1: I, if I. If I, if I I can only surmise what the answer is, and the answer is, well, I've spoken to to journalists who know, uh, and they work in major, and I did mention this in my speech, you know, I've spoken to a journalist who approached me when I was being interviewed on another topic, wanted my mobile number, and then contacted me afterwards and said, I know what's going on, I'm being approached by lots and lots and lots of people who've got vaccine harms, some of them are not getting the treatment they want from the nhs and some of them are being referred by their doctors their gps and saying they need psychiatric help because they're delusional around the the harms that they believe they've they've had and he said I, this is going to be the biggest scandal in medical history in this country which i'm inclined to agree with and uh, and he said but if i raised it in the newsroom that i work i think i'd i'd, I'd be sacked it's not allowed why is it
0: why, why is there such i mean I, I know this, but I want you to say it.
1: I think I think it's the amount of advertising um, revenue and and the power, and then that the big pharma, um bring to the party. I mean, you've got you know these are Pfizer that reportedly made forty five billion dollars out of the vaccine last year. That's half of their worldwide profits. So you can buy a lot of influence with that, uh, and they and they have done, and they are doing. You know, and the fact that they're now Despite the fact that we, you know, we, we're we've gone out of the pandemic, the COVID nineteen is endemic. Um, most people, overwhelming, almost everyone will have been exposed to the virus over the last few years, and they're still trying to push it. So that we're now going to give approval. The government are thinking about giving approval. The MHRA have approved, and the government i'm urging them not to approve you know vaccinations of children from five to down to six months they're babies there are yeah. no risk from the from the virus and there is a clear risk from the vaccine as i quoted american research uh, of under fires being vaccinated with with the pfizer mrna vaccine mm-hmm. one in a hundred was still in hospital three months after having the vaccine when that's unacceptable when they're at, at no risk. And the first rule of medicine, as you know, is do no harm—the the Hippocratic oath. Uh, and even if they, you know, even if they were safe and were effective, they're of no use to those those children because they're at no risk if they're healthy. Doesn't make sense. It's not. It's not. I think I, th- I said at the end of my speech that the government's policy on the mRNA vaccines currently is is on the wrong side of medical ethics. It's on the wrong side of the scientific data, and ultimately, it will be on the wrong side of history.
0: I know. And I, I, what I can't, what I can't seem to get my head around, I understand at the beginning, the the, the lack of, so I, I don't want to say ignorance, but I can understand things being slow off the burner at the beginning. But now we're two years in, and there's been a plethora of people coming forward to try and raise awareness for this, and it just doesn't seem to gain traction. Um, yeah,
1: there's clear evidence though, Matt, that the, that the virus was circulating in Europe um, in the summer of 2019, there are biopsy. I've seen some evidence, it's, it's, which is unequivocal. Some uh, cancer biopsy samples, which were taken at the end of August 2019, they've all been kept, and they were they were from Italy, and uh, they've reanalyzed all those biopsy samples, and uh, about 15% were infected with COVID-19. And the samples, they know which geographic area, it was every part of Italy was had got some samples that, w- that were contaminated, infected with uh, COVID-19. So, so COVID-19 was clearly circulating in Europe, widespread in, in August, in September, October, November. There's plenty of people in the UK that think they had it in November. Mm-hmm. I'm told that from the retained sewage water samples that we keep in London, They've tested those and there was COVID-19 circulating in the autumn, certainly, uh, detectable. Well, I mean, the fact is that the the virus had been, before the lockdowns were first started, the virus had clearly been been circulating for at least six months in a population with with little or no resistance or prior exposure. The hospitals weren't overflowing and people weren't dying in the streets, were they?
0: No, they were not. I mean, you're saying everything that, that us crazy tin hat people were saying two years ago. Um, are you worried about yourself now? You put a massive target on your back. Have you got security?
1: Uh, I'm, uh, I'm at one with myself over it. Um, what's the alternative You Either, you know, I can't, I can't look myself in the eye. I don't know if I, if, if, you know something really is that wrong then you don't say anything, and you're in a in a position where you can say something. Um, no, nah, that's not uh, that's not where I want to be. So I will take the uh, the repercussions for my actions. Um, before I gave that speech, my, my wife and child were already out of the country.
0: I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, without getting too too deep into the things, I mean, we don't know. Us minions, us local, us, uh, the, the great unwashed don't understand usually how it works behind the scenes with the politicians and parliament and everything else, but... Before you gave that speech, I know you said you were, you were given the slot last minute but had you had it in your mind before then that you, that's what you wanted to do were you just waiting for all the evidence to come up or have you had access to other evidence we've not had or how's the kind of process been I've
1: had a, a, access to a lot of evidence and dr Malhotra is very well connected and and once sh- I mean theres so many people with 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 things to tell and they were so desperate for someone to tell it to that once you're known that you're even listening, I mean, you just get bombarded and it's uh, it's been a lot of wading through. Fortunately, my, my degree uh, a long time ago at Nottingham University was in biological sciences, biochemistry subsidiary. I finished up mostly looking into genetics, behavior. And my final dissertation was on uh, viruses and viroids. So. Um, I had a, a grounding and, and I know how to read a scientific paper and that makes it a lot easier, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was very skeptical about the lockdowns. I accepted the first lockdown. We didn't know what we were dealing with at the time. Well, some of us didn't. I think some people probably did. Um, and, uh, but after that, it was only the government's reassurance that we'd done a full impact assessment of the effect of the lockdowns on wider society which turns out that that uh, mysteriously wasn't the truth. And the reason we're in a perilous economic situation and there's such pressure on the NHS and education and all the public services, uh, it comes down to the lockdowns. And the you know the reason that we're, we've maxed out on the country's credit card is, is, is the lockdowns. I, I voted against uh, the last two of the lockdowns um, and I voted against plan B. I voted against the masks. I voted. I, I really regret I voted for the, the mandate on the, on the care workers much against my better judgment uh, but I did vote against the NHS one. Uh, in fact I voted four times against the government at the final debate and if you were to dig out my speech in that plan b debate this time last year I, I think you'll find that everything I said in there was, was absolutely right that you know, the virus had attenuated itself to the Omicron variant. The evidence from South Africa was compelling that it was not lethal and it was going to be a cold and that we should not lock down any any further and we should um, then go for the herd immunity because actually the best thing that ever happened was when that vaccine attenuated itself to become the the Omicron variant, which it was very mild, highly contagious, so no measures were going to stop it. I think uh, it's got an R-value of 12 or 14, Omicron. Yeah, it's quite high, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the, uh, well, the original Wuhan strain had a, an R-rate of 4. Yeah. I, I had, I had the, my own history. Is, I mean, I had the original Wuhan full-strength strain in March 20. I caught it in Parliament, um, <laughs> which is a good place to catch things because yeah. it's, like, it's, like an air, it's like an airport here. We have yeah. people coming yeah. in from all over the world. So there are people coming to London. They get off the aeroplane and come and visit Parliament. And we've got, you know, we've got groups of people, committees traveling all over the world as well. We've got visitors from all over the world coming to speak to parliament mm-hmm. uh, and people and MPs. So uh, it's a pretty good place to catch anything. Um, so I got it very early on and it was, I mean, I've never had a day off work with an illness in my life and I'm 58 now, so I was 50, what, six at the time. And I mean, I had a day off work and I broke my leg, mm-hmm. you know, playing rugby or something stupid. But I've never had a, and it, it knocked me for six, really. I, I was ill for about six days, and it was getting worse. I was never used to having an illness that didn't get better the day after. And that was, and I did have the brain fog, and I didn't go to hospital, uh, but it broke after about six days. And I would say it was probably four or five weeks before I felt 100% after that. But, you know, I'd had it. I had two AstraZeneca jabs, and then I had Omicron at the beginning of December, um... 21 um and i would say on a scale of one to ten compared to the original full strength wuhan it wasn't one and a half it was a headache Mm. um snotty nose and a bit
0: achy for three days now is that because of the two astrazeneca's or because you actually caught it right at the beginning
1: well all the evidence shows that actually having caught the the having had the virus three and a half times better than any of the any of the uh Vaccines. Hmm. My little four year old boy, uh, Blake, he's uh, he had, um, unfortunately, he had COVID about four weeks ago. And there's no way that he needs to have a, a vaccination I and mean, he's, he's got natural immunity.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Something that we seem to have forgotten about. I mean, you know.
1: Well, I, I, I did ask, ask the question in that Westminster Hall debate why were we vaccinating people who provably got? Um, had had the virus and got natural immunity. I mean, if we were actually short of this valuable vaccine, why would you want to waste it on people who'd already got immunity? I mean, it didn't make sense.
0: Hmm. Um, what, sort of, what sort of responses have you been met with then? Like, obviously, I know you, we communicated with yourself through NHS 100K at the beginning with the mandate, so we're, thank you for that, sir. Um, but so you've obviously been known in the ranks as, as someone who's a bit left field with regards to certain things. But how how has how have your colleagues been with you since obviously this speech has come out? Um be honest, s- s- some <laughs> of some some
1: are, uh, are are annoyed because well, a lot are annoyed on all. all because I mean. On, across the House, a lot are annoyed because concerned constituents of theirs who watched the debate, saw that there was no MPs in there, then emailed them and <laughs> said, why weren't you there? And what's your view on this? And I want you to support Andrew Bridgen in his call to end these vaccine rollouts. And of course, it's, cra- it's caused them some amount of work, and um, they blame me for it, apparently. So blaming so, you
0: because they've got to do their job, essentially. Is,
1: is... <laughs> answering these difficult questions from constituents, and I mean, so that, there's that. Um, after the question I asked at PMQs, asking the Prime Minister, well, I was really upset when the M- I heard that the MHRA had approved the uh, Pfizer vaccine for children down to six months of age. So I, I quickly asked the PMQ a couple of weeks ago. So that's my third bite. So I've done the Westminster Hall debate, I've done the PMQ. Then I have my own adjournment debate. And I asked the Prime Minister and I gave him notice in the morning. I was going to try and ask that question if I was called. Um, so he knew what I was going to ask him and um I asked him to overturn you know overturn the recommendation of the MHra um, and and not authorize these experimental vaccines for babies um but he, obviously he came back and said that he believed that they were safe and effective well I mean they're certainly not they're not effective they don't do what what they said that they do and uh, and then there, there is they're not without risk um so they're they're dangerous, really. They're certainly unnecessary for children. I think that very sensible countries like Denmark have looked, you know, only a month ago, they've now ruled that no one under 50 should be having a vaccine or a booster. Yeah. Because they've looked at the risk of damage, of harm, and, and the benefit. And it probably shouldn't be anybody under 70 unless, uh, uh, with comorbidities, if that
0: like i'd like to finger.
1: look i'd like to actually look at the full a full review of the of, of the uh, of, of the harms um, and let them look at the, the benefits it, I mean, it's interesting that no one ever comes back at you and and they just the answer just seems to be you know we believe they're safe and effective well, i mean that isn't scientific
0: um, and when they say it all is like a mantra as well, you know, almost like it's safe and effect. If you're like, guys, come on, honestly, we got to do well, that. That really.
1: reminds me of uh, Theresa May and it was strong and stable.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. They, well, who comes up with these words? Build back better, and all is there someone you got in the back office there, like you know, bulls? Well, you have like
1: to. Like well, you have to. It has to be three. You see the trip. The triplets work. Yes, they that's do. It's psychological, yeah. Get Brexit yeah. done. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. Strong yeah. and stable. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so with Sage, right? <laughs> so well, I was
1: I was very sceptical about that bunch of communists. I mean, what? I mean, wow. they're unelected, unelected, a yeah. bunch of academics from the far left who must have you know, had their dream. They got to run the country. Um, yeah. Yeah. Their I mean, I recommendations be- were unbelievable. I mean, is that Neil Ferguson at Imperial with his doom mongering <laughs> predictions that we're all going to be dying of COVID? Yeah, you know, it's the average average age of someone who sadly passed with COVID was was older than normal longevity over over 82 eighty
0: two years 80, of age 80, 83. Uh, 83, 84, yeah and the actual yeah and 82. the actual
1: average age of 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 someone who passed with COVID well I mean you know that's not a, that's not a killer disease that's called the flu isn't it.
0: Or it's just reclassification of someone who's died of well, natural well, causes at well, the right well,
1: age. Well, it may be, but I mean, we normally lose sort of twenty to 40,000 people a year from flu. Well, yeah, we haven't had any, yeah. any, any flu deaths for a few years. Where, where have they all gone? Oh,
0: well, they're coming back now. They've had a holiday. We've taken off the sack of the head of the flu virus and it's like, crikey, where have I been for the last two years? It's like, get back to work. Yeah, right.
1: tell, tell the flu virus you can come out of the corner now, come and yeah. have a go. If you're 100%. thinking you're
0: hard enough. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. So, I mean, what, what, okay. So although your friend, your colleagues have said, um, that, you know, they're annoyed with you and everything, no one has actually contested your argument like you said. Um, so has anyone actually approached you to say, look, what I, I kind of agree with you. Can you show me or share the evidence with me so I can, you know, No, no.
1: So, some of them have quietly said, of course, you know, we shouldn't be rolling it out for children. The you know the, the evidence is increasing that um, increasing that, that that these are these are not safe. There's quite a lot of colleagues have said that to me, but I mean they're not yet at the stage where they're willing to say it openly.
0: And but is the, that through, is that through fear of of reprisal? as in you know fear then... of
1: reprisal, reprisal, ridicule. I mean it is you know it, it is the conscious blindness where people for an easy life. It's easier to stick with the herd than you know even if the herd's going off the cliff it's probably easier to stick with the herd and then uh, than, than to be an outrider hmm. um, or, or an outcast hmm. but I mean people you know conscious blindness is because of the, the, they're scared of ridicule they they want to protect their reputations and you know but ultimately you know that's happened so many times before I said in my speech you know the BBC and Jimmy Savile happened because of conscious blindness. It wasn't that people didn't know what was going on they just closed their eyes to it because it was easier for them in the short term and it, yeah. you know and you can actually have a, a large organization that can do that. Well I mean I think we've got the biggest example of that now. I mean yeah. but if you, if you come out and say you've got concerns about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine you are labeled as a conspiracy theorist. And, and, that's, and that isn't the way science or medicine should ever work. I mean, it's a bit like politics. You know, you come out with a policy and then you, people argue against it and you debate it and then you have a vote.
0: Mm. You know,
1: we don't say, well, these are our policies and, and we're not having a debate on it and anyone who disagrees that we're going to call you a conspiracy theorist. I mean, that isn't it. And science can't work like that because science has to develop over a period of time and it only develops by people challenging existing narratives and mm. coming up with new ones. Otherwise, we'd never move forward. But there's been no silly It's amazing that there's been no allowed challenge to the narrative that these vaccines are safe and effective. They've been produced in record time, which mm-hmm. is almost unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and why, if they're so safe and effective, why is there an indemnity for the vaccine manufacturers from claims for harms? Why would yeah. you need that? You know, it's. A, and, you know, they've been encouraging pregnant women to have these vaccines. I mean, I, I wouldn't encourage a pregnant woman to take an aspirin if you can avoid it.
0: uh I've said this before when I tried to get my wife some cough medicine when she was pregnant, I couldn't get her anything. Uh, and now, you know, because they, nothing had been tested, because re- realistically, it's what I well, my wife to say. My wife
1: wouldn't drink coffee. She loves yeah. coffee. She didn't drink coffee while she was pregnant, she wouldn't drink no. any. Yeah.
0: a lot of the stuff they they haven't actually tested to see whether it's preg- uh, safe for pregnancy or not. They just haven't. So they just say we're not using it for pregnancy because you're not going to get many volunteers, are you? Who's going to come at you? With I, I can't
1: see. I, I, I'm amazed. They got 7,600 under five year olds in America to take part in this in this test where one yeah. in where one in 200 of them ended up still hospitalized three months after in vaccination with one vaccine from Pfizer. And they only they don't know what happened because they, they ended the trial after three months. And some of them were still in hospital.
0: I mean, I, I had a Brooke Jackson on here. She's the one that was um, one of the site managers for uh, where they're doing the clinical trials for Pfizer. And I had her on here as well. She was telling me some of the stuff that was going on. As soon as she raised awareness. They sacked her and just said, you're not a fit for the company. So it seems to be like it was a global thing that they're all supposed to sort of stick to this line or this mantra of safe and effective, no alternative, yep. uh, you know, nothing else we can talk and it seems Oh, yeah
1: yeah, we, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. There wouldn't be allowed to produce a vaccine or market a vaccine if there are uh, treatments that are effective. I mean, they, they, they cut those off at the knees, didn't they?
0: So, well, see, I only thought that was an American thing. So I thought they couldn't roll things out under emergency use authorization in the UK if there was an alternative that was already in circulation or could be repurposed. But yep. I was told that's just an American thing. Right. But then I was, I know a lot of it is very similar. We just call it something different. Is that the case over here then as well?
1: Um, I, I thought it was, yes. But, um, I mean, I, I made uh, the government aware and I made Jeremy Hunt aware of, uh, of some of some papers um, uh, about some of the possible treatments and uh, I was very disappointed with the response I got from the government and from Jeremy Hunt at the time who was, uh, who was the uh, head chair of the Health Select Committee.
0: And what was the response?
1: Well, it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, he, he, he turned around to me and said, don't send me scientific papers. I don't understand them. I said, well, but you were in the health service for seven years. Well, you can't read a scientific paper.
0: And, well, and then,
1: maybe, maybe he could, and maybe he
0: didn't want to. But the, th- the thing that concerns me, right, is as obviously people like yourselves and all that, you, you represent us as constituents, you know, in, in your area. People who are further up the chain, they've been put there, allegedly, uh, because, you know, we want them to be in those positions. But OK, so uh, when it comes to so when Pfizer, they released in the European Parliament, I think it was about six, seven weeks ago now that Pfizer openly admitted under oath that they actually didn't check or test to see whether it reduced transmission.
1: But we were told we were told it was take these vaccines and you're 100 percent guaranteed you'll have protection from COVID. I mean, I, Mr. Right, Fanny exactly. said it. Joe Biden said it. They all politicians said it. In the, in the UK said it. I mean, um, that turns yeah. out that was a known untruth, and we're being generous at that, aren't we? Well, and,
0: that's then, why, yeah. and then,
1: then we, then people were told you're being selfish if you don't want to take it. Don't do it for yourself. Protect Granny. Protect yep. your workmates. Then you find out it not only doesn't stop you catching it, it, doesn't stop you transmitting it. So that falls down as well. So the mandates were all illegal. So mm-hmm. some forty thousand care workers were kicked out of their jobs. I mean, there's no scientific basis for that. No moral basis for that. So thing thing is. There, you know there's, there's, there's room there for a class action against the, the government <clears throat> so we were coercing people and it was the coercion I mean I said in, in the uh, in the plan B at the end of my plan B debate this time last year that the only pandemic we're really suffering in this country is a pandemic of fear and it's got to stop mm. yeah, I, yeah. I'm, as a behavioral scientist with interest in that I mean I've always been in favor of the nudge department you know softening messages I mean the example I'll always use is you know you used to get on your tax return you know if you don't return this within so many days by this date you'll get a 200 pound fine and a nicer message to help people comply is you know 99 percent of people fill this in by this date and don't get a fine which is a nudge but I mean as I said in my speech a year ago the during covid the nudge department became the shove department and and i i don't like people shoving my constituents around and, and they were being shoved around um the lockdowns were draconian and i i was shocked that the british people gave up their freedoms so easily
0: oh, i couldn't mate, believe that they both. would you and me I both. i can not believe it
1: i said on the tv at the time i just can't believe that the british people have have rolled over and given away freedoms that 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 were fought for and took generations and hundreds of years to get. They were given away, the stroke of a pen. And we were having debates. We were having dictats. We are having ruled by dictat from Number Ten, who who were making up new draconian measures for lockdowns and restrictions on freedoms, and then Parliament was wasn't voting on them for three or four days after until, after they'd already been brought in, which is is wrong. I was just going to speak to her about and that. Then, and then, and then, then, when, then, then when we found out about what's been going on at number 10, I mean, I'm absolutely clear now. I mean, they were having no social distancing, no masks. They knew all the science. They had access to all the science in number 10 better, better than anybody else. They were telling us what to do. They weren't doing it. They obviously weren't worried about the, the impact of, of catching the, the virus. Uh, it makes a mockery of, of what went on. Um, And clearly, they knew it wasn't dangerous because they weren't scared at all. But they were scaring the willies out of the public. And it's not just on this. I mean, you know, climate change, the economic crisis, the war in Ukraine. And I came into government to help my people and try and do the the best I could for North West Asia and the country. And part of that is when people come to me with their problems, I'll say, look, I see you're worried about this. at you know, the weekend, now I want you to, not. you've passed it over to my office, we'll deal with this, I'll come back to you, you don't have to worry about it. And, and that's what I think government should be here for. We should be looking at the big issues and then we'll deal with that. And the people just let them get on with their lives and enjoy themselves and we'll deal with the problems. But all for the last few years, all the problems we seem to be pushing down and scaring the people. We've we got, you know, a third of our young people under 24 think the world's going to burn up in a Ball of fire in the next ten years, I mean this is absolute hocus pocus and and then the, you wonder why they're thinking well it's not worth having children or I mean yeah. this is horrendous. I mean a sad indictment of, of, a, of a great country that's been dragged down to this, and it is by um political ineptness or or design and and, and it, you know it doesn't matter what what party you're from, all the things I think this government, my government got wrong the opposition parties all wanted more of it. They wanted more lockdowns, they wanted longer lockdowns, they wanted more furlough, they wanted more restrictions. I I just can't believe it. I mean, there was no opposition. Mm. If there'd been some opposition, there was enough Conservatives would have voted against some We could have stopped these lockdowns earlier, but there was was no opposition. There was no opposition. And that's the end of democracy. And Mm. I've always come to a conclusion whenever Whenever any, whenever the whole house agrees on anything, like say for instance HS two, which I've voted against every time it's ever come to the house. Whenever the whole house agrees on something, it always turns out to be wrong, Matt. Mm.
0: It's always wrong,
1: or always bad news, or always right. bad news for the public. Yes, that's what I think.
0: I mean, if I'm honest with you, at the beginning, I mean, I was at the front line as many others were at the beginning of this, and we we took it seriously, um, you know, as we should do at the start, but further along in it when we realized after literally thousands of people I knew who were writing to their MPs all over the country were getting nothing no response radio silence for months and months and months and it honestly felt like we were literally no one was flying the plane you know we're all on this plane and the pilots just buggered off excuse my French uh, and just left the whole everybody on the plane to to, to, you know no one was running the country that's what it felt like we had no support from our MPs we had no support from the government. The police hated us. You know, it was like being, you know, in like an open-air prison. Um, and the very people that we put in positions, like yourself, sorry, to represent us and our concerns, you know, where were they? Where are they still? You know, oh, I, had to,
1: I, I had to get involved. I think there was a well-publicised of two very attractive blonde-haired ladies from Ashby de la Zoo. She went for a walk around the reservoir. With the coffee. With, with the coffee. Yeah, yeah cool. that, yeah. And they were they were they'd gone out of county. Well, I mean, our border with I mean the car park I think for that reservoir is actually in Leicestershire. The reservoir itself is not in Leicestershire; it's in Derbyshire. It's only a few miles from Ashby de la zouche We're right on the border, and uh, and they were arrested and accused of having a picnic. I I wrote so many letters and and spoke to Derbyshire constabulary. They were the ones who were putting the drones up catching people walking on the Peak District. I mean, what danger were they
0: to anybody? And they were arresting them and charging them with all sorts of things, you know I mean. So is that just poli- police being given carte blanche to do what they like? Babe? The government basically said, do what you got to do. And then, you know, we're entering sort of Mad Max territory here. So Yeah,
1: interpreting, I'm going to be tougher than everyone else and we'll stop this and we'll arrest these people. I mean, it was outrageous. It was. It outrageous. was. And then if, if that's, you know, that's, that must never happen again must never ever happen again, under any circumstances, the, oh. the lockdowns were completely useless, uh, they were useless when we had a, an r rate of, of 4, uh, you can see how good the lockdowns are in China now with an r rate of 14, can't you?
0: Wow. Useless, absolutely insane. They've all been locked up so long they've probably not got no immune systems anyway bless them to be honest well we are we are all suffering from that and i think we've really damaged
1: we should never have never have uh have closed the schools no that's a huge mistake we damaged the education i really in fact i gave a, a speech uh in the response to the queen's speech at the time and uh, when we had a queen um which i but all i spoke about is the debt that the country the government owed to the children because they were the most damaged out of all of this. They've lost their immunity, they've lost their education, they've lost their social skills. Um, You know, I I got a four year old. I mean, he he spent the first, most of his, the beginning of his life in lockdown conditions. He wasn't seeing people's faces. He won't see many people at all. I mean, that's, you know, that's a big chunk of his life has been spent under under those conditions. And I don't think, I don't think humans should ever get to be thinking that's anything like normal. They should never, never, anything we should ever get used to or never tolerate it again.
0: No. Never
1: tolerate it under any circumstances. No, um,
0: you're right. You
1: know, when you've you got d- people in China shouting, give me freedom or give me death or give me freedom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, th- I think, I wonder if people knew their rights better and were taught... Better things at you know schooling is well you know what your individual rights are and you know none of us would have would have allowed this to happen because we would have known it was it was illegal. When even he, he got, well, I to mean as, well, as, well. as we know,
1: you know the, the health secretary Matt Hancock, he broke the lockdown rules himself, didn't
0: he? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so did that that uh, there was the MP in Scotland. She 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 got caught, didn't she? Going from so and then there's obviously Dominic Cummings who went to go and have an eye test and you know it was that that was obvious for me, but I think it was more. Well, I, I, I spoke,
1: right. I've spoken to um, cameramen from the BBC. So you know, we'll all remember those daily briefings where they had the lecterns spaced out, and they come in wearing the masks or whatever, and and the, the, a, a nameless BBC cameraman. And the, 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 and the remit was that the rules from Number Ten is he, he could they could only send one person in. He'd got to have been tested and all this business and tested negative. Um, and he had to do the sound and the, and the camera, and it was, you know, so it was quite a big job for him. And he, you know, because that was the rules, he was only one of them allowed in. And he said, the, the amazing thing was that all those rules and it all looks like it's all socially distanced. And if he'd swung the camera behind him, there were dozens and dozens of special advisors who weren't wearing masks and weren't socially distanced standing right behind him out of camera shot. But every time he went there, and he thought he thought there's something going on here.
0: So it was I a mean, pantomime. It's it, a pantomime. It, it was a thing. I mean, right? You realise now that you're confirming pretty much everything that that those of us on the fringes have, have kind of been hinting towards for the last couple of years. You're going to get some flak for this, Andrew. You know that, right? Not I think so. I've had
1: plenty of incoming flak for the last twelve months, really.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean. Send them my way and I'll help you out because we need more people like yourself. Honestly, I've got two final questions. And then, cause I'm conscious of your time. Cause you're a busy man. Um, two things then. Okay. What's, what can we do as constituents? If our MPs are not writing back to us or ignoring us or pretending we don't exist, what can we do as people? Cause obviously it's far, you've got, have, you've got to, good. you've
1: got to, you've got to keep emailing your MPs. You've got to ask for surgery appointments. You've got to make a nuisance of yourselves and we've got to make sure that everyone who's vaccine harmed fills in a yellow card report online and they all get registered. And I'm going to try and expand. We're going to try and expand the vaccine harms, a PPGR. We've got to get some MPs on on the opposition parties. There's not a single opposition MP who is involved in any of this, all Conservatives.
0: And why do you think that is? I don't know.
1: I don't know. But I mean, the, the appetite for the, by the opposition parties for for lockdowns, the only the only dissenters were in the Conservative Party, on the should we say the more libertarian wing of the Conservative Party.
0: <laughs> that in itself is, uh, oh mate, you, you're making me, making me cho- but then obviously people are now at the moment are thinking there's going to be a landslide for Labour now, obviously in the de- next general election and what people don't realise is, is that like you've just said, the side that we're thinking is going to do much better didn't oppose anything. And they wanted anything more changed- of it, I mean that, that was the yeah.
1: shocking thing, they kept saying you know, why aren't you locking down harder and faster and more furlough and longer furlough and uh, well I mean well I mean there's no point to Labour coming into power when there's if there's, there's money to spend and I, it, by the way it's <laughs> <probably> <laughs> going to be very there, there'll be absolutely no money left at all this time no you
0: right? can't blame the Conservative you can't blame each other now can you I think the Conservative
1: government them. at the moment we've actually made Labour I always thought it was Labour's job to bankrupt the country <laughs> it looks like we're trying it looks to me like we're trying to make them redundant <laughs>
0: Uh, and this is the problem. They're superfluous. They're superfluous.
1: We,
0: you know. I mean, you could argue that both governments are. No disrespect, you know, because that we've been failed by both governments in the last two years. If it is, opinion. it is
1: a number of poor decisions. Poor decisions have been made. Uh, we we need a full inquiry into all of this anyway, because we've got to learn. It's cost us so much. You know, five hundred billion spaffed up the wall uh, unnecessarily. That's why we can't have tax cuts now, we're told. Well, I mean, we need to, to this has all got to be stopped. And also, Matt, aren't you interested in all of this worldwide COVID pandemic cost the world a fortune, yet those fraction of a percent of the multi-multi-billionaires, their fortunes went up by 50%. Now, that says to me you know, when everyone else's business was failing because they've got no customers or they've got change of circumstances and restrictions on openings that, you know, how do you do that? And, and that all, all reeks of sort of insider trading, i.e. they knew what was going to happen It's very That's difficult, right. you know, ha- you know, or perhaps they're very lucky that they knew six months before that I've got to invest in PPE and Big Pharma Yeah, and take away food and and, and the Netflix,
0: Netflix. <laughs> And this is the thing, I think sometimes that they... Maybe,
1: maybe they all just knew, they all just had a, had a pump together and they thought, we know. But well, it's just, it just stinks, doesn't
0: it? Well, the thing is, right, and this is what I say to everybody, even if we were completely wrong, we are still in this situation that we're in now with the austerity and, and the problems that we've got. What else could have caused it that's happened that, that isn't as a result of what's actually happened, if you know what I mean? There's no other thing that they can really say, oh, it's because of this, it's because of the war in Ukraine. Well, COVID was around before then. And my energy bills went up before Ukraine started. So, you know, and I don't know whether... I've, thinking...
1: spoken, I've spoken to former people who've recently left security services around the world and um, they've told me that they knew in September what was going to happen. Some of them told me they knew in August. I mean, I'm not surprised now. And they were also told not to take any vaccines or tests.
0: Why tests? I, so?
1: I wish they'd told me before I took my two AstraZeneca's.
0: But well, at least you've got the courage enough to admit it. You know, have you had your bloods checked? <laughs> That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've,
1: I've, got, I've got an immune reaction now. I'll be taking tablets the rest of my life. So From I, the
0: few jabs or was that before?
1: Well, well, I've never had any health problems before. This summer, I had a month of hay fever. And as soon as that ended in... I had a month I've never had hay fever in my life. And as soon as that ended in August, I came out in hives. And now, if I don't take two antihistamines every day, I come out in nettle rash all over my body. And my lips swell up like, like as if I've been sucking on a nettle overnight. And uh, I look like some sort of Botoxed person. Wow. That's... And amazingly and amazingly, in my circle of, of reasonably close friends, not in politics, with obviously not as many friends as I used to have, um, the uh, two of my friends, when I told them, they said, you're amazing. It's amazing. Well, they were within sort of two or three years of my age. And I'm, I'm 58 now. They said, um, that's amazing we've had exactly the same never had it before it all started this
0: year well there's
1: only one thing we have in common
0: uh, uh, and then this is the thing i don't even know why it's like okay prove us wrong take well blood. we know we, well, we know we know the heart problems
1: the, the the pericarditis the myocarditis in young people we know from the israeli study which i mentioned yeah. in my speech that they 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 they'd studied they looked at many medical records pre-vaccination And it was about 1.2 million who hadn't had COVID, about 740,000 who had had COVID. And they looked at the incidence of pericarditis and myocarditis, and it was pretty much identical in both both groups. So that tells you that whatever's causing the increase in heart problems now in the under 40s, it's certainly not being infected with COVID-19, it's something else. Well, what else has happened? Um, And... You know, we we are having an epidemic of excess deaths, which no one's interested in. There are more people, most weeks there are more people dying now in in excess than there was during the pandemic. And surely, Matt, anybody would expect that after you've had a pandemic with excess deaths, where sadly the the weak and the feeble have succumbed to that virus, you would expect a period afterwards of of less than, less excess, well, no excess deaths. You wouldn't Mm -hmm. have enough deaths because some people who would have lived a bit longer sadly already passed but i mean for this to continue and i think as somebody pointed out you know during the pandemic we were seeing the number of excess the number of deaths every night reinforced on the media mm-hmm. and when we've got more deaths now that are unexplained and not to do with covid and no one wants to talk about it
0: 15 percent excess death rate we're at, at the moment in england i think yes it was 17 earlier on in the year all oh, so. right okay you're, you're probably means- much more on the pulse than i have
1: and, and there is a, there is pretty good correlation the countries that took across europe i mean some of the baltic states didn't didn't have a very big vaccine take up and they've they've got almost no excess deaths mm-hmm. now portugal portugal and spain were very very big on uptake on the vaccine and uh, yeah. and they've got the highest so I, you can leave leave correlation is not causation we we know that but correlation of of is like an alarm a fire it's like alarm a going, it? It's like a yeah. fire alarm going off in a building. And it'd be very yeah. irresponsible if, you know, you wouldn't hear a fire alarm going off in the building, not going to investigate whether there actually was a fire. Um, mm. But that's what we're doing with these excess deaths. No one, no one's investigating the fire alarm. And, then have, and, and the other thing is, I mean, why aren't they investigating? Because they probably already know what, what it is. And the other thing is, you know, worldwide, we've had this pandemic of what is undoubtedly a manufactured bioweapon, it's a manufactured virus, whether it's gain of function or, or worse, which gain of function is actually making bioweapons. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have thought the most important thing you'd want to know is where did it come from and how can we make sure it never happens again? No one's mm-hmm. interested because I think the powers that be know where it came from and they know why it's what. And, that's the only conclusion I can come to, and they probably don't want us to know where it came from and how it came to be.
0: And this is the pro. This is the thing. So, so, so what do you? Th- I know this is a bit of an open-ended question. It might be a little bit too fringy for you, but why do you think they've uh, they've done it? Do you think it was to introduce the vaccine passports to then obviously for the digital currency, for you know monitoring, whereabouts purposes, carbon footprint? You know, do you think it was all part of the same? Well, I think I think I think it got out in July. I think whether that was on
1: purpose or accident, but clearly, I think we're all played along and then other things, so it may have been released deliberately Mm. or it may have got out accidentally. I mean, the the safety record of that Wuhan lab is appalling. It never passed any international safety inspections, uh, yet it had these uh, highly contagious uh, gain of function viruses there. So that's the question, did it come out? Was it deliberately released? Well, I'm not sure how we will ever know that. Uh, Or is it by accident? But then clearly someone's watched that develop for months and months and months, and then someone's exploited the situation. And then we've gone into this full COVID mode um, in spring 2020, where actually it had been there for the best part of a year. Mm. So then we decided on this strategy and we all got locked down and, and certain people were still flying around in their private jets and having
0: parties. Do you think there's a larger thing at play here? Maybe not, I don't know specifically, but do you think this is part of a larger thing? It feels like it to me.
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's the suspicion, isn't it? But I mean, mm. I think we need to deal with what we can prove at the moment. Yes. 100%. Take the public with us. I mean, the, I, I addressed the um, breakfast meeting a couple of weeks ago. It's the... The the I'll be better, the Colville Christian Men's Breakfast. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a large number of people there, and I thought I'm you know I'm going to give this speech hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So I I tried a few points on them, which I think shocked them a bit to start with, but they didn't take much convincing. Uh, people can join the dots up when you give them enough of the evidence, which is why you're not getting a hearing anywhere because people people know that something's not been right for the last few years. The world hasn't felt right. This country hasn't felt
0: right, but it has and, to be the right person that um, that puts these points across. And this is this is what I've noticed because you've not said anything different than some of the other doctors have said. People like myself have said, but because I suppose we're not a member of parliament, you know, we don't have as much credence. So it's easier to dismiss us or, or you know, write hit pieces on us or sabotage. Well, know, I mean, wait, the wait and see. Wait and see. I think
1: there'll be plenty heading my way. Don't
0: worry. Um, I fully appreciate that. What I mean is, though, is is, is if you were able to convince the public. Well, you have to, yeah,
1: for people who stand up, I mean, fear, silence on this is contagious. Um, It's more contagious than the virus. The silence on on this topic is more contagious than the virus. But I mean, courage is contagious as well. And when people stand up, what they're going to be worried about is that, I've urged the doctors and the scientists and the nurses and, and the people in the media, and lots of them know exactly what's going on, but they're, they're too too scared to to, to come out I mean um, it will come out sooner or later, and the sooner the, the bet- sooner the better is the more the more people will save from the harms and uh I'll be shocked if given the level of interest I've created and helped to create and with a lot of scientists helping me that if i mean if if well i mean i'll I will not I, won't, I will take other actions if the, if my government uh, approve the vaccines for use on children. If we haven't stopped that now, yeah, I, I will. I will no, that won't be the end of the matter. And we've got we've got to uh, we've got to persuade people, and we've got to persuade more MPs.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a massive understatement. But yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of smaller parties um, that are. Um, that are kind of creeping and, up. And this isn't,
1: the, Matt, this isn't an issue about the right or left of politics, is it? This is about right and wrong. This isn't,
0: it's no, about science,
1: to... science and pseudoscience. No, this I appreciate just
0: that. From, a, from a, a great unwashed perspective, if we have no faith in, in conservatives and Labour, we, we need somebody else we can have faith in. Present company excluded, I'm afraid, but it, it, neither of, of the parties have done anything. But it, might, it, might,
1: it. It, it might have to come to that. Mm. It might have to come to that. But, I mean, the SNP aren't any better, are
0: they? Or no, not well. No But then, nothing about is. About anything- it, you know, you're talking
1: about a, a, a new emerger. Well, I mean, well, it might, it might. But I mean, this has got to be sorted because this, this, this is going to be the biggest scandal ever. And you know, what confidence is is Joe Public going to have in politicians? Well, that's my argument. Uh, our political system. What, what what confidence in science are they going to have in the future? What confidence in healthcare are they going to have in if 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 our worst fears about this are true and all the evidence points to that they are? I mean, what are people going to believe in
0: anymore? New people and new members of parliament—that's what I'm, I mean. If this is a big scandal, then there could be arrests. Yeah, but also, also,
1: them. also, surely new doctors and mm. and new scientists and I mean, then they can't be swapped overnight, can they?
0: No, no, I appreciate that. You, you can't build, you know, uh, on, on corrupt foundations or bad foundations, something new anyway. So you, you kind of really have to go right to the core. But that's going to be the challenge, is getting enough people to demand the change. Um, and you've yeah. got to ask,
1: how did we get into this situation? And this this would have taken a lot of planning and over yeah. many, many years, and an awful lot of organisation and money.
0: Final question then, because I've managed to squeeze out an hour out of you, which I... <laughs> I know we gave. Uh, I asked you about what advice you could give to people for. Uh, what advice, as a collective population, would you give us going forward? You know, to have faith, to have hope. You know, are there things going in the? Oh, world the human or, spirit. Light yeah, the yeah. The
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The human spirit, especially if we stick together. And 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 I think all the people who who have concerns have got to link up. And it's it is we've got something really big in common. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to end up in the world of 1984. I always remember that line from the book, you know, it says, you know, I think Winston Smith asked for a vision of the future and he's told by the interrogator that it's a human face being stamped on by a booted foot forever. Well, I mean, that's, that's not where I'm heading, mate. I mean, the, when the, I want to, I want to get back to the country we had five ten years ago
0: mm. with those
1: freedoms. I want the government that's going to, sort problems out and lift that burden from the people, let them get on with their lives and enjoy their lives and not have this constant fear all the time. Yeah. That's but what we're not, we're, but it is, it's always darkest, Matt, just before dawn. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going out to America uh, tomorrow and I'm, I'm going to be meeting with some like-minded people in America. And I'm, I think it may be that the old world has to come to the rescue of the so the new world has to come to rescue the old world of this yeah, issue. Yeah. I think, I think what Mr. DeSantis is planning in Florida is very interesting. Um, and I'm hopefully going to be meeting with Rand Paul while I'm out there in Washington. And uh, these are good men. Yes, and, they are. Uh, they are. Uh, and, and good men and good women. And we need, uh, we need solidarity because it, this is something that's going on worldwide. And, uh, we going We need a global solution to it because we are all humans at the end of the day. And you know, my constituents want to be able to live their lives, do as well as they can from their own efforts, and they want a better life for their their children. And uh, and I'm not seeing that at the moment. I'm I don't like the way the world's going. Mm. And let's face it, we're going to have to stop here and fight because there's no other country we can go to. It's any better.
0: Well, that's the problem. That's what keeps saying to me. You know, you can't run away anywhere. If anything, when you look at it, we've had the least. Uh, strictest restrictions when you look at it, really, compared to some of the other countries. Um, I know we had the longest lockdown, but we you know, we were quite lenient for compared to some other countries. Andrew, I'm going to let you go. Oh, by the way, if you need anybody to carry your bags for you when you go to America, hook me up, give me a shout, all right? Because it seems like you're going to be rubbing some shoulders with some, uh, some good people soon, which is good. I always find America seems to be a little bit more open and a little bit further forward down the line in discussing, or at least trying to discuss... What needs to be discussed and we are um so it's uh it's it's, it's good that you're, you're meeting up with the right people so um, where can people find you if you want them to find you any any social media details you want to give out
1: um uh, well my, my twitter is at a and um yeah i mean people have got my parliamentary email address that will be on we, we've got plenty of interaction um keep the faith um I think there are forces out there that uh, the, the truth will come out in the end. It's just a matter of, of when. It always does, doesn't it? You just got to be patient. Um, yeah. And they, uh, was it, they say the tree of democracy has to be watered occasionally by the blood of martyrs. <laughs> All right.
0: Yes. I'll leave you be. Thank you so much, Andrew, for your time today. Good luck. And please stay in touch. If there's anything I can do to help or NHS 100K can do to help, please let us know. All right. All right. Keep, keep please, up the good work. Cheers. 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 Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.